Hands of My Podcast is a proud member of Darkcast Network, presenting the brightest of indie podcasts. Hola, my beautiful humans. This is Jasmine Castillo. And this is MW. Bringing awareness of murdered and missing indigenous women, girls, two spirits, the LGBTQ community, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander, Black Indigenous people of color. These are their stories. So, welcome to Hands Off, my podcast. Leona Cheyenne Wright, a beautiful one-year-old girl, disappeared in the most peculiar way. Her father and mother have been distraught for the past eight years searching for her. The night she disappeared unraveled as the years went by. This is the story of Leona Cheyenne Wright. Leona was born on May 25, 2014 to her mother, Kiara Sullivan, and her father, Richard Wright. Julia Sullivan was the child's grandmother, and she said that Leona had just started walking two weeks before she went missing. Kiara and her family lived at Edgewood Square Apartments, 950 Cherry Street in Pendleton, South Carolina, an apartment complex that was under the project-based Section 8, which provides affordable housing for low- to moderate-income families. Kiara and Travis began a relationship, and later Travis moved in, on November 2014, to live together with Kiara and her children. Leona has two other siblings, an older sister and a brother. Her older sister resided in the home along with mother and lived-in boyfriend, Travis Jones. Leona's brother lived with Julia and Walter Sullivan, the grandparents of Leona. Friday, June 5, 2015, Kiara attended her sister's bachelorette party, leaving Leona and her older sister with Travis to care for. By Saturday morning of June 6, 2015, at 5.30 a.m., Kiara identifies that she arrived home and gave Leona a cup of juice. 6.30 a.m., she decided to check on Leona just one more time before she went to bed. By 9.30 a.m., Kiara and Travis woke up to see the front door open and Leona missing. By 9.47 a.m. on the same day, a neighbor calls 911 to report the child missing. Anderson okay, County 911, what's the location of your emergency? Um, uh, Cherry Row, Edgewood Square in Pendleton, South Carolina. What's the address? Cherry Street, 950 Cherry Street. 950 Cherry Street? Yes, in Edgewood, apartment Edgewood. What's the apartment number? Um, building A. Somebody done got a baby. The baby is a baby is missing out here. What's the number you're calling me from, ma'am? Yeah, that's my number. Yes, I'm just calling, being the you know confirmed you know. Who who's who's the baby? Who's the child's parent? Let me speak with them. Oh, uh, hold on. Hello. Hello. 
Hello? Man, what's going on out there? You're saying a baby's
But the girl boyfriend that stays with her, he keeps yelling, saying, where my baby? And it's making the baby nervous. So I don't know who should talk to her because it's like she, her nervous is probably to her. They out here screaming. And it's not the baby's fault. I mean, y'all are I two parents. That. I mean, I'm just trying to make it make sense because it's not making sense to me. I gotcha. I mean, the police just arrived, but uh, I don't know. All right. Well, I appreciate you giving me far more information than the other person did. So I thank you for that, okay? You're welcome. All right. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. A lieutenant on the case, Lieutenant Josh Payne, said a witness told deputies a three-year-old child opened the door. However, investigators determined some time later that the three-year-old could not unlock the door. And a question at the time was, did the investigators confirm this by checking for fingerprints on the door handle? As the story began to unravel, investigators wondered if Leona was home between 5.30 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. and questioned the story to be the truth. On the Charlie Project, it was identified that investigators also believed the child was not there when her mother arrived home at 5.30 on Saturday morning. Walter Sullivan, the grandfather of Leona, tells the papers that he confirmed his daughter was at her sister's bachelorette party and that when she arrived home that morning, she went to care for her children. But Travis had stopped her and said they had already been cared for. In an emotional interview, Julia Sullivan, the grandmother of Leona, says that she was told Travis woke Kiara up and told her the door was open and that the three-year-old opened the door and Leona was missing. In a full interview, Kiara cries and then says, quote, because she was never there, end quote. During this interview, they discuss Travis's character and how he had never acted like that before and Kiara thought he loved her children. When the reporter asked Kiara about waking up to the open door, she said, quote, I don't want to talk about that. I just want them to bring her. That's what I'm worried about. I want her with me. Don't matter the condition. It will give me closure if I could see her, End quote. During that morning, Travis is taken into custody for an outstanding bench warrant unrelated to the case. In the continuing search for Leona on that day and the days following, 200 deputies, firefighters, and other emergency personnel searched two miles in every direction of the apartments. They had dogs in multiple jurisdictions. Helicopters and search crews assisted in the search. There were also horse riders searching, as seen in photos in the news articles. The ground searchers had stopped by 4 p.m. that day. They also searched Townsville, South Carolina, around 10 a.m. Sheriff John Skipper said they had moved the search around 10 a.m. to Cedar Grove Road, where Travis Jones had family. Four-wheelers and canines were also brought into the area, but the search stopped by nightfall. They also sent out a reverse 911 message to all residents in a two-mile radius and interviewed all the people in the complex and followed up leads. By Sunday of June 7th, Anderson County Sheriff John Skipper announced that there was no major breaks in the case. This is the second day deputies with hatches and machetes scour the woods around the apartments. Fifteen deputies searched this day, but stopped when heavy rains began at 7.30 that evening. 
Investigators searched trash at a waste transfer center in Pendleton until 10 p.m. Skipper said garbage from the apartment was likely brought to the site. Sheriff Skipper is quoted, From history throughout the county, you know that when people come up missing, sometimes they end up in a landfill. We are always trying to put this first on our list. End quote. Monday, June 8th, a vigil is held outside the apartment. They lit candles, prayed, and handed out flyers. Law enforcement released the 911 call. Tuesday, June 9th, Travis is still in custody for failure to pay child support and has been sentenced to 120 days in jail or payment of $1,000 for failure to pay child support. A total of six on-the-ground searches have been completed by law enforcement from the day Leona went missing. They switched to more lead-based investigative work at this time and continue to conduct searches if they receive information that warrants them. They do get a lead later on this day, leading to a Wednesday search. Investigators announced a $1,000 reward in exchange for information. This was likely through Crime Stoppers, an anonymous donor. Also, a nonprofit organization also offered a $500 reward for information on the case. By Wednesday, June 10th, a search is conducted at Cedar Grove Road area of Townville. This is the road that Travis Jones' family member is located on. 30 deputies, three canines, and the Sheriff's Office Marine Unit arrived. Thursday, June 11th, Leona's sister of three and her older brother of six were taken into custody by the South Carolina Department of Social Services. The following week on Tuesday, June 16th, family, friends, and community members rallied for Leona at Anderson County Detention Center. It was a group of about two dozen, and they combat rumors about Kiara's guilt, demand answers, and comfort each other. They closed in prayers. On that day, a search of Lake Harwell in the Townville area was conducted but confirmed later on July 20th they were searching regions highlighted in the absence of leads. Thursday, June 25th, deputies say they have been giving conflicting information regarding the case. Lieutenant Sheila Cole says there were inconsistencies in the stories between Kiara and Travis, leading to new revelations. More than 50 people attended a vigil for Leona at Wilson Calvary Baptist Church. They sang hymns and prayed. They asked the community not to pass judgment. Saturday, June 27th, the community holds a prayer service again. By the afternoon of June 30th, in a real unrelated case, Kiara and her live-in boyfriend, Travis, were arrested on child neglect charges. The three-year-old girl in their case tested positive for methamphetamine, cocaine, and THC. Kiara also tested positive. Travis admits to drug use while caring for the child. Department of Social Services did the tests. And Travis was not arrested on this day because he was already in custody for an unrelated failure to appear charge. Estimated time between June 21st and June 27th, a petition is started by activist Tracy Fant, who has been working with the family since the start of the case. The petition is for the FBI to become involved and CARD, the National Child Abduction Response Deployment Team. 3,000 people signed within 24 hours of this petition being activated. 
According to the petition, all searches have stopped, and the sheriff has declined FBI help. July 1st, 2015, Kiara has court and was given a $5,000 surety bond for her unlawful neglect of a child. 1092.50 Reconnaissance Bond for Assault and Battery Charge They scheduled her to return to court on July 21st for the assault and battery, August 7th for the unlawful neglect of a child. An activist advocated that Kiara was not a flight risk if she had a bond, and Kiara cried and was extremely emotional during this time. Travis Jones also had court, and he had no family or supporters. The bond was at 15000 and his scheduled court date was on August 14th. Detectives tell the papers that Kiara and Travis hindered the case by telling them the false information. Captain Garland Major tells the papers, quote, I'm not exactly sure how the baby got out, but I know it did not get out the way it was first reported, end quote. On September 9th, which was a Wednesday, another tip was led to the air canine and the draining of a duck pond, but unfortunately nothing had come of it. October 14th, Travis Jones pleads guilty to unlawful conduct toward a child. He also pleads guilty to a probation violation. At this time, Travis Jones is now estranged from Kara Sullivan, who gave this quote, I'm not satisfied with Jones' sentence, but it's a beginning. He got three years and he'll have to do time for what he has done to my children and my family. He's going to have to suffer the consequences, and I'm happy he won't be on the road and I just want everything to come to the light, end quote. Travis Jones was sentenced to three years minus the 130 days he had already spent in jail. Kiara Sullivan's charges were still pending at the time. By May 25, 2016, on Leona's birthday, Tracy Fant traveled to Columbia to present this petition to the FBI. Also in the year of 2016, Leona is featured with Nancy Grace. Grace also mentions that the home is still considered a crime scene at the time. By 2017, Sheriff McBride inherited the case. And on August 7, 2018, Sheriff Chad McBride announced Travis Jones as a person of interest in the case of Leona Wright. There was a $10,000 reward that was offered to the community for any leads that led to an arrest in Leona's case through the Sheriff's Office or Crime Stoppers at this time. By January 2020, the 10th Circuit Solicitor has had the case file for review. The arrest warrants were announced controversially by 10th Circuit Solicitor David Wagner. Wagner released a statement about the situation and said he was asked to review the case before charging, but the sheriff did not wait for the completion. Anderson County Sheriff's Office replied with a statement, Quote, we feel that the early release of the information regarding the case of baby Leona Wright by the 10th Circuit Solicitor's Office is potentially reckless and unorthodox. We are in somewhat disbelief that these actions have occurred as it is not a normal standard procedure. The release of this information was done prematurely and can now potentially cause a flight risk of suspects in this case. It also creates an officer safety risk for those involved in trying to apprehend the suspects. End quote. By June 6 of 2020, the town of Pendleton proclaimed this day Leona Wright Day of Awareness. They also raised money for a playground in Wright's name in Pendleton. July 8, 2020, 
In a news conference, Sheriff Chad McBride identified Travis Savon Jones and Donnie Roderick Jones, whom are brothers, as suspects in Leona Wright's case. On July 8th of 2020, Travis Jones was arrested and charged with murder by child abuse. Travis maintained his innocence. The arrest warrant said, quote, did cause the death of a one-year-old child while committing child abuse or neglect under the circumstances manifesting an extreme indifference to human life, end quote. The warrant also said that Travis Jones willfully abandoned and neglected the child multiple times the day she went missing, and Leona has not been found dead or alive since that date. A detainer was placed on an unrelated offense on Donnie Jones, incarcerated in South Carolina. Donnie had two warrants that would be served after his release. Donnie Jones was also charged with accessory after the fact and desecration of human remains. Leona celebrated Life Memorial on August 16, 2020, at 11 a.m. at Lindley Park, Addison, South Carolina. By the following year, June 6, 2021, the city of Addison proclaims Leona Wright's Day of Awareness. This is the second Awareness Day for Leona because Pendleton has their own. From a news clip of the activist Tracy Fant, identifying that this is not only for Leona, but to bring attention to the countless other children missing. Tracy Fant is absolutely right. And today I will be doing a missing mid-row in South Carolina. These children are currently missing based on the website NICMEC, which is the acronym for National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. J. Brian Singleton has been missing since January 24, 2023 at Walterboro, South Carolina. He's currently aged 15. Traquan Foster has been missing since January 18, 2023 from Florence, South Carolina. He is 17 years old. Taki Watson, missing since December 10, 2022 from New Ellington, South Carolina, age 17. Tatiana Mills, missing since November 25, 2022, from Columbia, South Carolina, age 17 years. Janavis Johnson, missing since November 1, 2022, from Charleston, South Carolina, age 15 years old. Michaela Martin, missing since October 12, 2022, from Columbia, South Carolina, age 15 years old. Jashani Palmer, missing since September 29, 2022, from Spartanburg, South Carolina, age 16 years old. Molly Brown, missing since August 24, 2022, from Spartanburg, South Carolina, age 18 years old. Mary Ellen, missing since July 30, 2022, from Barnwell, South Carolina, age 16 years old. Taikwaja Goss, missing since May 15, 2022, from North Charleston, South Carolina, age 17 years old. Desiree Higgins, missing since February 20, 2022, from Fort Mill, South Carolina. She is 18 years old. Jaisea Fryer, missing since February 12, 2022, from Somerville, South Carolina. He is 18 years old. Tanisha Jenkins, 
missing since December 15, 2021, from Kings Tree, South Carolina. She's currently 16 years old. Samaj Goodwine, missing since March 7, 2021, from Camden, South Carolina. He is currently 17 years old. John Doe 2020. On December 29, 2020, skeletal remains of an unidentified male were found in a marsh off the Wando River in Charleston, South Carolina. The marsh was next to Daniel Island. Only the skull was recovered. Forensic professionals have assessed that the male was African-American and approximately 17 to 21 years old. He has been deceased for an extended period of time, likely over a year. The image displayed is a facial reconstruction created by a Nicmec forensic artist and depicts what the male may have looked like in life. Deshaun Burns, missing since February 24, 2020, from Garnet, South Carolina. He is currently 20 years old. Aaliyah Bell, missing since November 25, 2014, from Rock Hill, South Carolina. She is currently 27 years old. Amira Jennings, missing since December 5, 2011, from Columbia, South Carolina, currently age 12 years old. Daquan Williams, missing since January 8, 2011, from Waltersboro, South Carolina, currently aged at 31 years old. Erica Bradley, missing since November 6, 2006, from Allendale, South Carolina, current age is 33 years old. John Doe, 2006. On August 20, 2006, a skull was recovered by fishermen in the Wando River in Charleston County, South Carolina. The skull was found under the Wando Bridge. It's estimated that the male had been deceased for several years before being found. He is estimated to be between the ages of 14 and 19 years old. An anthropological assessment determined the child is of mixed ancestry showing both black and white traits. Only the cranium was recovered. No other bones, including the mandible, had been found. The image shown is a facial reconstruction completed by Nekmec forensic artist and depicts that the male may have looked like in life. While the mandible was not recovered, the artist was able to utilize a suitable match to complete the reconstruction. The lower half of his mouth down to his chin is an approximation by the artist. Kainandi Bennett has been missing since September 29, 2002 from Conway, South Carolina, current age 24 years old. Kevin McClam, missing since March 30, 1997 from Goose Creek, South Carolina. He would be age 40 years old today. Farika Brown, missing since February 14, 1995 from Lancaster, South Carolina would be 46 years old this year. Shakima Cabbage Stock, missing since July 22, 1993 from Dillon, South Carolina. She would be 40 years old this year. Tawana Cheatham, missing since August 11, 1989 from Aiken, South Carolina. She would be 42 years old this year. Jane Doe, 1987. On November 16, 1987, an identified female was found in a heavily wooded area in Eureka, South Carolina. 
The body was found approximately one and a half miles south of the intersection of Highway 191, which is Johnston Highway, and Highway 208, which is the Mount Calvary Road near Shaw's Creek. It was estimated that she had been deceased for one to five years. The female was multiracial and predominantly black heritage and significant mix of Indian or Asian. She may also have been Caribbean. It was estimated that the female was in her late teens to early 20s. She stood between 5'8 to 5'10 and she weighed approximately 150 to 160 pounds. An anthropological assessment of the female's bones showed a healed fracture on the left side of her nose. She may also have had an old healed injury to her right knee. The female's first molar on the lower right side had been removed earlier in life. She also had a pronounced overbite, which would have given her buck teeth. No personal items or clothing were found with the female. The image provided is a facial reconstruction completed by Nick Mc forensic artist and depicts what the female may have looked like in life. Kimberly Boyd Missing since April 3, 1987, from Orangeburg, South Carolina, she would be 38 years old this year. If you have any information about any of these missing children or these Jane and John Doe's in the South Carolina area, please contact National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 1-800-843-5678. That is 1-800-THE-LOST. By December 15th of 2021, according to the Anderson County Clerk of Court, Richard Shirley, their murder charges were dropped in a preliminary hearing. Anderson County investigators said that Leona's mother, Kiara, had told police a bag was found at the property on Brickford Circle belonging to Donnie Jones. Deputies say that Donnie Jones' phone records show he was in the Brickford Circle area during the time of Leona's disappearance, but no human remains were ever found. In this area, there was cadaver dogs that actually indicated twice to possible human remains on the property around a burn barrel that was dumped. Even the police theories were to believe that Leona was fed to hogs or was put in this burn barrel on the property. Yet, they'd never found any kind of evidence in regards to their first theory. But a deputy was actually quoted that they do have somebody saying that they saw her in the burn barrel. With all the swarming questions in regards to the dismissed charges between the brothers of Travis Jones and Donnie Jones, Sheriff McBride released a statement, quote, On December 15, 2021, the case regarding Leona Wright was dismissed in a preliminary hearing Although the magistrate that issued the arrest warrants for the two defendants originally found probable cause to charge them, a different magistrate that oversaw the proceeding today found that there was insufficient probable cause to move forward. While I disagree with today's ruling, the Anderson County Sheriff's Office is committed to seeking justice for baby Leona Wright. Our detectives continue to investigate this incident in hopes to find additional evidence that would lead to the prosecution and conviction of those responsible. End quote. An activist who worked with the family since the disappearance of Leona, along with the family, were never informed of the hearing ahead of time. The family agonizes and hopes that they will get justice and answers for what happened to Leona, 
Cheyenne Wright. Leona, at the time of her disappearance, was one year old, standing at two feet at 29 pounds, was last seen wearing a long white t-shirt, sometimes described as a long sleeper shirt. Leona is an African-American female with black hair and brown eyes. Leona was just learning to walk at the time of her disappearance. If you have any information on the disappearance of Leona Cheyenne Wright, please contact Anderson County Sheriff's Office at 864-260-4444. We are voiceless no more. Thank you for listening to Hands Off My Podcast. If you are enjoying the podcast and you'd like to support the mission, I do have a Patreon membership that will help the cause and bring more detail on cases and stories from the people of color community. If you yourself has a lost loved one or a story suggestion, please don't hesitate to contact me at email. Handsoffmypodcast at gmail.com And if you are only able to support in another way, please give this podcast a 5-star rating on Apple or Spotify and continue to listen to upcoming episodes every Thursday, wherever you listen to your podcast. Dios te bendiga.